Hello, fellow podcasters. Welcome to the Safasa Podcast, where we discuss various topics around neurodiversity and autism spectrum disorder with self-advocates, program directors, and occupational therapists, families, and clinicians. I hope you enjoy what we have in store for you today. All right, welcome to the Safasa Podcast. Today, we're here with Emily. Uh, Emily, I'm going to pass it over to you, uh, explain to our guests uh, your, your background, why you're here, and what, what we're going to be chatting about today. Hi, yeah. Um, my name is Emily Coombs. I'm an autistic researcher at the University of Victoria. Um, I also work alongside Heather Brown out of the U of A. Um, I am coming to talk to you all about my coming out experience. I'm going to say that experiences because I as a queer, queer woman, have to come out a lot. Um, so yeah, that, that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, awesome. So I'm really glad to have you here today. Uh, this is a topic that we really haven't even touched on in the past few episodes that we've done. Um, so you, we, we met through uh, that the research that you're doing. So we, our last episode that we did was on uh, community-based participatory research. Uh, and I'm so glad that we were able to get in touch with you and, and have you on so you, you can talk to your lived experience about how that uh, those two identities have worked for you um, over your past life. Um, so yeah, I, I will pass it over to you. Uh, give us a little bit of background in terms of um, how coming out has affected you. Yeah, of course. Um, I'll just, I'll just like, go back a little bit um in regards to your last episode with Jackie uh we we are working together on a bunch of um collaborative projects uh with autistic advisory boards or community partners um and through that process I have now uh come to start my master's in the fall which will actually be focusing on uh, autistic individuals on the LGBT, LGBTQ2S spectrum, which is a very close topic to my heart as a queer woman. Woman? Woman. Um, I, I speak in many. I, <laughs> I am more than one person. Um, so me and my autism, I... I've not always been forward about being on the spectrum. That is both the queer spectrum and the autism spectrum. And in many of my relationships, I've I've, I've masked heavily. And to uh, define masking for anyone, um, masking slash camouflaging is when an autistic person compensates is as a social uh, survival strategy. Um, this may look different from person to person, but it includes behaviors such as forcing or faking eye contact, um, and like smiling and trying to like, in, like, in, what's the word? Like reflect back uh, facial expressions, mimicking gestures, um, hiding or minimizing personal interests, um, developing rehearsed responses, scripting conversations, um, pushing through intense sensory discomfort, um, and such. Oh, just looking as neurotypical as one could possibly pass. 
this may happen for a wide variety of reasons, such as not feeling safe or avoiding stigma, avoiding bullying or mistreatment, to succeed in a work or school environment, to attract a romantic partner, to make friends or other social connections, or to fit in and have a sense of belonging. For instance, right now I am masking. I am usually not a verbal person. I don't like speaking. And in my non-mask time, I communicate via short sentences and sounds or long periods of silence, unless I'm with um, a person, my partner specifically, who I feel 100% completely okay to be unmasked with. And it's, you know, the conversation isn't what you would expect conversation to sound like between two neurotypicals. It would be be a little odd and that's okay. Um, anyways, I am scripting right now and it is for the sole purpose to have a very articulate conversation with a neurotypical audience um, so that I can describe my coming out experience. Um, I think masking and camouflaging is a topic to be made aware of, um, especially with female autistics, because it has been shown empirically that um, autistic women mask and camouflage more. So you may know an autistic female or an autistic male within your own life and have no idea that they, they are autistic. Um, that being said, masking has been a large part of my coming out journey, like an exponentially large part. Um, a lot of my, my relationships have had me mask from the time I'm with that person to the time that I leave that person and only unmasking in the privacy of my own home. Um, when I first started coming out was in high school. Um, and unfortunately, I was extremely unprepared to come out within um, an, a widely neurotypical audience. I, I remember um, I would come, I went to, it was, it was in high school. I came out in high school and it was the start of grade 11 and I just I just told a friend I was like yeah like I like I'm gay like I'm queer and I thought nothing of it absolutely nothing of it my uh my girlfriend at the time uh she she had not come out we had we had discussed that she would not be coming out she wanted to stay in the closet I I was like cool sweet I'm coming out and she was like okay cool I thought that was the end of the conversation but everything was fine so like I started to come out people like I told one friend and then by lunch I had three four other people come up to be me and be like are, are you gay and I was like yeah like yeah like I am like what what about it <laughs> like it's just it's what it is but unfortunately I did not recognize that me making that statement was not just a statement of a fact. Years of reflection later, uh, like years later, and I reflected on it, I realized that coming out wasn't just a me thing. Um, 
back in high school, me and my, my girlfriend at the time ultimately ended up breaking up and she blamed me for forcing her to come out and not like that she had to come out because I came out and I, I couldn't for the life of me understand how that happened because I never once ever said my girlfriend is gay to anyone like I I never quantified how I forced her out of the closet or how I outed her to the school I, I didn't get it in reflection coming out is a social activity for a lot of neurotypicals it is a hurrah it is deeply personal it is taking like it is communal activity that they go they go to other people and it's special and it's important and they build connections over coming out they have conversations over coming out they and this is not for all neurotypicals I'm generalizing here but this is from my my experience um it's just it is a lot it's a social activity that's that's the best way I can sum it up and it's important. But to me, as an autistic individual, it was nothing more than just a fact. It was like telling someone that I have blonde hair and that I like sushi and that the weather is sunny today. That's all it was. I couldn't quantify that coming out meant things to other people. Um, it meant emotional attachments. And I had absolutely no emotional attachment to the fact that I wanted to date females or that I was a queer woman or a woman. Back on the women again. <laughs> that I was a queer woman or that I, like who I wanted to, you know, spend my life with or who I was attracted to. That that meant as little to me as the clothes I wore that day. I had no emotional attachment to it. So it was a massive realization when I finally got it. And this is like years later. I I honestly didn't even didn't even understand until I was in my like late 20s. I would say within the past year that. I had no emotional attachment to my coming out, that it was nothing more than a fact when the world around me was so emotionally attached to my sexuality. And it's still, it's still today happens now that I've come out as someone on the autism spectrum. And I, I, you know, I told the people that I was dating around me, like, Hey, like I'm autistic and they were like cool sweet and I was like I'm glad you got that I'm also queer and they're like cool sweet and I'm like I'm glad you got that but it wasn't a cool sweet it was now they had an emotional attachment to that and uh for a long time I identified as queer but dating only females and as of recently, I I met um, my partner who identifies as a male, and I kind of had to come out again. I 
was like, okay, this is who my partner is. And they were like, oh, but I, I thought you were a lesbian. And I was like, never, never called myself a lesbian, but called myself queer. And they're like, they have this deep emotional attachment to my identity. And I couldn't understand because it's, it's mine. Like it's, it's no one else's, it's just mine. Um, yeah, so being queer is so confusing. Um, it's, it's confusing being autistic and queer. Um, I myself don't experience a lot of attraction. I don't label a lot of my existence, but for a larger neurotypical audience, labels and attraction are important and they push that importance on you and you kind of have to deal with it. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't describe it better than it's, it's nothing more than just a fact. Like it, it just exists alongside my autism as it exists alongside the clothes I wear and the food I prefer to eat and the car I drive. It's nothing more than a descriptive of a current state of being. Yeah, that's, that's what coming out is like to me. Yeah, I mean, hearing you talk about your experience, it sounds to me that you're doing an awful lot of labeling for the sake of other people. Does that ever get exhausting? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I I don't want to generalize to the larger public, but people are people love labels. Like they really attach themselves to to an identity and a box. And I feel like I, I don't feel an attraction or a connection to labels. Like a lot of uh, a lot of people on the autism spectrum, and this is empirically backed, um, identify as gender queer. I myself, upon reflection over the years, have realized that like gender is not something I'm very attached to. Like I don't feel strongly female, but I don't feel strongly male. I just feel me. And that's the same with my sexuality. I just feel me and me happens to be attracted to this person who happens to be a cis female or me happens to be attracted to this person who happens to be a trans male or me happens to be attracted to this person who's a cis male. Like it's a wide variety, but it's it's just me. There's there's nothing past that point. And it doesn't need to be anything more than just an experience in which I live. Same with same with autism. I like I am like I'm just just autistic. Like I just just is. And I'm autistic because I have a bunch of characteristics and I checked off a bunch of boxes on on an on a a test administered to me. But I, I still would have been autistic if they, they didn't give me that test. Like I still would have had the characteristics. Same thing with being queer. Like if no one ever labeled me any sort of way on the spectrum, 
I still would have been attracted to to attracted to the people that I was attracted to. And that that's just my existence. Like I it's so unfortunate to me that a large group of people are so attached to labels and not only just a large group of people, but the media, the the marketing we they want and we want to be a part of a group and I feel like in my experience that being part of the group is the last thing I want to be as an autistic person honestly like I'm very okay in my own my own solitude and my own being (laughs) with my my one friend and my one kind of friend that I see often like it I don't need to be a part of an in-group or an out-group or a label or a category. I'm just me. And I I know this experience probably resonates for some non-autistic people. And that's great. That doesn't make you autistic. That doesn't make you anything. It just makes you you. It's so interesting to hear you say that. And I think it's so profound because kind of reflecting on my own experience, I'm about as uh, typical as they come and in all sense of the word, um, cisgendered male, I've never really questioned my, my sexuality or my gender um, or any other identity to be completely honest. And so for me, it's, I am just me. I, I don't have a, a group to identify with. So I, I don't grapple with the same thing that you're, you're grappling with uh, of this idea of just trying to belong to to a certain group and you wanting to just be you and it's it's so interesting just that like we take it for granted that uh you never have to you can just be you and not have to think about it yeah i think that really speaks to just heteronormative society as a as a whole like um it's kind of expected like that that's that's the big category that the large portion of the population falls under and then we have all these other categories that this is just a theory, a theory in the moment. Um, I think people that are a part of the small categories, they want it, they want to find a place to belong. And that I support you with that 100 um, percent. Feeling like you belong is important when you don't belong to the wide category, when you're not cis, when you're not questioning your gender when you're when you're not straight and like stuff like that finding your group of people it's really really important for people but you can't when you're in that group you can't pull people in that don't want to participate because you want to validate your experience by having more people in there like it's I have found in the queer community that it makes people uncomfortable when you don't fit into one of their subgroups. And I feel like a lot of bi people experience this with biphobia is, well, you're not gay, well, you're not straight. So where do you belong? Because like you don't belong in one of these tiny groups. And that's the same with my experience as trying to not define my sexuality I've been pulled 
by friends and partners and family into one group. But I've also put myself there um, at times. Like um, when speaking to to uh, my grandma, like I, she, when I tried to explain being being just queer or being bi, she was like, "Oh, you're you're a lesbian." Mm-hmm. No, but and then she would go on. She'd be like, "Well, you've only dated women. You you must be a lesbian." And I've never I've never cared to correct her because. When I do, it it just doesn't click, and that's fine. And I think this I've also put myself in those categories that I don't really identify with for for the ease of other people. Um, and again, that's just kind of full circles back to masking. It it is the minimizing of my thoughts and my feelings and how I experience the world to make those around me feel okay, to make um, those who, who want, um, who want groups and categories feel okay with my existence, Um, which can be seen in social groups and can be seen in psychology as a whole arguably like I didn't need to be diagnosed as autistic and like I said earlier like my character characteristics and symptomologies would still exist if I didn't have my diagnosis but the diagnosis was there due to psychology due to the interest of my psychiatrist and same uh, can be contrasted back with queerness is that you know, my attractions would still be there. But due to the pressure of the groups around me that wanted me to come be friends with them, they would only accept me if I was a lesbian. They would only accept me if I only dated girls. They would pressure me to define myself to labels that I didn't fully, um, didn't fully feel, but I felt left out and I wanted those social connections more than I wanted to fight someone on being this ambiguous <laughs> creature of the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You you spoke a little bit about how getting your diagnosis wasn't uh, something that was, I'm getting the sense that it didn't really change anything for you. Um, what's the story behind that? Why? Did there need to be a diagnosis in the first place? Um, there didn't need to be a diagnosis in the first place. Uh, that's for sure. It, I was me my whole entire life. It just, I think we medicalize difference and Again, we a, lo- a large portion of the population wants to categorize difference. And that's, that's what it ended up being, a categorization of difference. And I, I, 
as much as I, I'm speaking really ambiguously about uh, being diagnosed, I do really appreciate it. I, I like I like that I was diagnosed. I recognize that it was a privilege to be diagnosed, that um, it shaped my life very, very differently. Um, I have been given supports and aid and understanding because I was diagnosed. And that has helped me as a, as a person, as a, as a human. Um, I'm not saying that diagnoses aren't valid and needed for some people. I just feel as though much like queerness, it is a categorization that many are put into for the ease of others to put people in boxes. You know, like it, for people who uh, who don't have the privilege to get a formal diagnosis, they still have the characteristics that would warrant them a diagnosis, but they're not deemed autistic by mental health professionals. Does that not make, does that make them not autistic then? I would argue no. Like it's, they're still expressing all of the symptomology. They still have the same struggles that I do. They still have the same, they have similar experiences that I do. Same with queerness. If someone does not define their queerness, or feels the need to come out, does that then devaluate their experience as a person who is not the normal, who is not 100% straight? Because the assumption is, is if you don't come out, then you're straight. And same with autism. If you don't seek formal diagnosis, then you're fine. Then you're neurotypical or you're something else like you're not you're not autistic until you get that diagnosis you're not queer until you come out and I think that's entirely unfair because now you're forcing people to to have these expressions that they don't particularly want to in my case expressing that I'm autistic and expressing that I'm queer are just statements of being they're not expressions of placing myself in a category um so that would contradict what I said because now I'm stating categories but to me to me they're just again like I like I said earlier they're like saying what my favorite food is um they're not core to your identity yeah my my identity is multifaceted and not just one thing nor is it contingent on a diagnosis or a coming out I want to shift gears a little bit. I, I was kind of trying to read up before our conversation to trying to get a sense of what are some of the experiences out there. Um, and something that came up often was this need for us to have our experience validated. I think that's maybe the basis for why we want to categorize ourselves and put ourselves mm -hmm. in groups, because we're able to validate our own experience within those groups of people. And so for people who were at that intersectionality between being on the spectrum and being autistic, while also being 
part of the LGBTQS uh, community, they found it very difficult to find people with that specific intersectionality to relate to. Is that part of your experience? Did you find it more difficult because you're you're more fluid um, in, in both yeah. those spectra? Yeah, I think I think that actually kind of sums up. Um, I, I'm going to touch on something. I have two thoughts. First thought is um, there is this theory called double empathy theory, which speaks to uh, communication types between neurotypicals to neurotypicals and autistic to autistics. So autistic to autistics communicate very, very well, and neurotypicals to neurotypicals communicate very, very well. Neurotypical to autistic communication is like one giant missed high five. I feel as though that is the same for queer autistics and queer neurotypicals. It is a very giant missed high five in experience. Of the few and far between autistics that are on the um, on the LGBTQ2S plus spectrum that I've spoken to, they have a very similar experience to me where it's it's not that important of a detail in their life. That it is just, they're attracted to this kind of human. And this kind of human happens to be the same gender. And that's just that. However, my experience with queer neurotypicals is that, is that missed high five that I spoke to earlier? It is, them expecting me to have a similar experience to them, which usually is categorization and rigidity, and me having a very, very different experience. Not that there isn't fluid um, expressions of sexuality within neurotypicals, and not that I haven't met neurotypicals who are fluid. It is, it is that key component where to me, queerness is nothing more than just a statement rather than a proclamation. Coming out is nothing more than just telling someone what the weather's like rather than an emotional attachment. I don't have the same experience that um, neurotypicals have when coming out with all this emotion. They, they, it's a for a large portion, it is a big experience. It is an emotional experience. It is a beautiful experience. They develop relationships from it. They have connections with it. They, you know, mark it on the calendar or something like that. That's fine. That That is, I'm so happy that they have those experiences. But to me, I feel nothing about that experience. And that's where the missed high five is, is that something that is so big and so core to their 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 experience as a queer person as a person on the on the spectrum is something i i don't think i'll ever experience and that's okay and like i've made my peace with it not that i ever thought i had to i it was more of a realization but but my hope is that those who experience coming out differently who are emotionally attached to their coming out will still validate my experience with no little to no emotional attachment. 
because that's where the biggest deficit was that I saw is that when I just spoke about my queerness so casually, for instance, one time I brought it up in a university class. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going on a date with a girl this weekend. Or, oh, I think I said something like that. Or I was like, oh, I like, oh, I'm gay or, oh, I'm queer or something like that. Passed on right by. Three months down the line, I was talking to the same classmate and I was like, oh yeah, like, um, like I went, uh, I went on another date with this, with this girl. You want to see a picture of her or something like that. And this, uh, this lady looked at me like, completely shocked and she was like I thought you were joking like I thought you were kidding I don't believe you and I questioned her on that I was like why why don't you believe me telling you that this fact about my life and she's like people don't people don't come out like that people don't talk about gayness so casually and I was like I do like I talk about it like that. That this is how I express my my queerness. So I I can give anyone any tip. It's just accept that there's differences in coming out and that some people experience coming out as just normal like normal. Like it's just it's just an experience. And I that's something I wish I realized when I was in high school and when I first started coming out. Because I caused pain to people uh, who were in the closet, because I didn't didn't realize that there was there was a difference in experience, and it sucks in retrospect. Like it really it really does, um, but that's that's the reality of it. It's just completely different experiences. And again, I can't speak for all. Autistic people, there probably is autistic people that have a deep emotional connection to their to their coming out experience. I I don't for mine. And I from the people that I've talked to who are autistic and uh the LGBTQ two S plus spectrum, they don't have an attachment either. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I was I also came across this account of people who are on both those spectra experiencing their family members being um, doubting their experience, really not believing that they're, they fully considered all the aspects of their life. Did you ever, did you ever get that? Did you ever get that negative backlash of, you know, I don't believe you that that can't be true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if it was my Catholic small town, Alberta upbringing that got a lot of questions from family members. Or if it was um, just, again, the missed high five about coming. I initially came out as bi because I didn't didn't really think I was one or the other. And I didn't really like bi either. And I came out as queer. And that was, that was a pushback too. Um, again, I think like... I can't really say for sure. <laughs> like I grew up in small town Alberta where I went to church every other weekend and in the early 2000s um and 2010s queerness wasn't wasn't talked about still. Like I I feel like a lot of people are like, "Oh, we all we all talk about the gays." Like we all, you know, we have we have 
Pride Month. We have TV commercials. That's new. That's new within the last three years. New within the last five. That's not even a decade old. Like, yeah, we've had Pride Parades forever. But those weren't those weren't public and celebrated events. Those weren't dinner table talk, especially where I grew up. Like I found my queer identity and labels and research and forums on Tumblr. <laughs> Tumblr's dead now. But that that's where all that's where all the queer data was. That's where people that's where I got exposed to it. Not that I didn't have attractions to, to the women prior to going on Tumblr, but like it was it wasn't it wasn't an experience that many people talked about. It wasn't in our sex ed. Not that I had sex ed <laughs> again, Catholic school. Um, it wasn't wasn't in my family's conversation. It wasn't talked about between uh, peer groups or in class. I don't think I saw a queer couple in public until I was in my late teens, early 20s. And that's because I was going to gay bars. I never saw one. Victoria, where I live right now, um, is the first time I ever saw in broad daylight, two women holding hands. Like it is a movement still on the rise that is gaining a lot of support and social acceptance in Canada and in the United States, but it's still a movement on the rise. Like there is still a lot of prejudice. There's a still a lot of stigma. Like going back to the gay bars, the only queer outlets I ever had growing up were gay bars. Like, as an autistic person, a gay bar is the last place I want to be. It's loud, it's noisy, it's crowded, people smell. I, you have to wear uncomfortable outfits to attract people. It's weird. I hate it. I don't like bars, <laughs> but it's not conducive to the autistic experience. And it's kind of shameful. It's like, if you're from Edmonton, you would know Evo. That's about it. That's all That's all that Edmonton has to offer for um, for queer outlets. And that's all, all I ever saw in person other than on Tumblr was, was that. That and Tinder. I would argue those are not not, not great places uh, to have healthy long-term relationships. <laughs> so I, I think um, much like autism is like a research topic on the rise, especially adults and aut uh, autistic adults and uh, autistic women. Queerness is is kind of parallel. They're both emergent so to speak both have long histories of um oppression uh and medicalization from the 
psychological sciences, from mental health and from Catholic like churches and religion and are now coming out of a very dark and shameful past to live a truth. But that's new. That's you know, a couple decades old, if if less. So I I'm quite excited uh, to see how queerness um, and autism metamorphs over the next decades of my life, because it, in my opinion, is a genesis for both identities to flourish in a freeness that neither have ever seen and an acceptance that neither have ever been accepted in. Very well put. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I can imagine that part of the coming out experience and why it's you know, emotionally charged and people hesitate is part of this kind of prediction of what kind of backlash you're, you're walking into. Um, was that ever a factor for you or you kind of came out and, and dealt with the backlash or maybe the lack thereof? Uh, definitely the latter. I, again, back to the whole thing that I was, I just thought it was a fact. I didn't realize people are going to be upset. I didn't realize my family was going to have opinions. My classmates were going to have opinions. People would stop talking to me. People would look at me different. People would sexualize me. People would trophy me people would pursue me more aggressively and make me feel uncomfortable because of this identity I I can't stress it enough that to me telling people that I was queer is like telling people I was wearing an orange shirt like I did not know when I came out that there would be repercussions that there would be emotions especially negative ones to how I felt and to who I was attracted to. I did not have that social foresight to think this might go bad. I didn't even have the social foresight to think this might go good. I just thought it was just an event. It was just a sentence in many sentences that I would speak that day. I think that that disconnect led to a lot of hurt, especially within my family, because I couldn't understand why people were so upset that I was just making a statement. Like I didn't feel changed. Like I didn't feel like it changed anything in my life. I didn't think it changed my relationships or changed my future. But to a lot of people, it did. It made the prospect of having grandchildren obsolete. It made the prospect of getting married and walking me down the aisle obsolete. It made having a career in the public eye obsolete. And I didn't, I didn't see it like that. I didn't. I didn't realize that it would be so important to so many people and people that I have yet to meet that I would have to 
curate my experience to make sure that when I said this just simple sentence that I would still be given a job, that I would still be given opportunities, that I would be accepted in that meeting or that there wouldn't be some group chat behind my back. Like I, I didn't realize coming out meant that people's opinions of me changed. Didn't get that. Like I didn't think it would happen because I honestly <laughs> can't process that. Like I can't, I can't just like that putting, that seeing that social retribution for who I am. I don't get that. Like, I don't get that at all. Like I, I wish I had that foresight because 100% if I did, my coming out experience would have been a lot different, but I don't. And I think kind of think that's um, a change in society waiting to happen that people shouldn't be scared or fearful of negative experiences when stating their attraction to a certain kind of human. Like it shouldn't mean that you get less jobs. It shouldn't mean that you don't get opportunities. It shouldn't mean that if you travel to a certain country that they will imprison you or kill you. It shouldn't mean that you don't get to participate or that you need to feel uncomfortable in a certain sport or that you can't change in this washroom or you can't go to that bathroom it there's so many negatives that I had no idea would follow coming out and I have only yet started to see the positives of coming out and I think that is because of this movement of normalcy. I, I feel like queer people as a whole have been less demonized, less tokenized, less mystified, and they're becoming just humans. You know, we see them in commercials, we see them in movies, everywhere. And it's, I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. Because that means that we're balancing out the scales, that there is, you know, negatives are starting to dwindle a little bit more so that the positives can shine through, you know? If you want to be a part of a certain group, then it's more of a positive experience. It's not a shameful experience that you have to live out at um, the one gay bar in your city or on Tinder or Grinder. It is coffee houses and discord forums and pen pals it's not hiding underneath your your sheets scrolling through tumblr talking to girls across the world being like wow <laughs> you know um 
and again, like, like what I said earlier, I'm really looking forward to the next decades of my life where I can see the changes for the queer community where the anxiety for people who can see the negatives coming when they come out slowly diminishes to a point where there's little to no risk. That 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 is the ultimate fantasy for me is a society in which there's little to no risk for coming out as queer. There's little to no risk for coming out, expressing your autism, being unmasked at any sort of function you wish and still being treated and given the opportunities that you would have had if you were subscribing to the ideal majority. Absolutely. I, I'm sorry that you had to experience so much of that negative backlash. Um, thank you for, for sharing that experience. I know it can be a little bit re-traumatizing trying to go through all that. Um, yeah, so I, I appreciate it. Um, I've gone to therapy and I can't stress enough, everyone should go to therapy. So I not re-traumatized, but um, thank you for your sympathy or empathy, empathy, empathy forward. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess my, my question for you is if you were to, I'm thinking about the audience for this podcast and mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the audience isn't um, like unilaterally neurotypical um, or um, yeah, I, 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 I kind of want to acknowledge that there can be quite a few people who could be listening to this. So if, if you were to be speaking to someone maybe in your position a few years ago, what kind of message do you want them to be able to take away from this? Um, so, uh, you, you mean like speaking as, as an autistic uh, queer person to an autistic queer person? Yeah, like if you were yeah. if you were yourself listening to this podcast five or six years ago, what would you want to take away from it? I would stress two things. One, it's okay that your experience is the way that it is. It's okay that you have an, an emotional attachment. It's okay that you don't have an emotional attachment. It's okay that you don't care to come out or that you really care to come out. It is unique to you. And it's okay if you never come out. Whatever, whatever is your journey is your journey. However, if your intention is any one of those coming out, not coming out, anything in that range, do some self-reflection, you know, really think about the people that are around you and try really hard to try and predict what might happen. I, I'm going to encourage masking, but not, not in the negative sense. If I was coming out again, fresh start, I would want to script that. Script and, you know, say everything I needed to say. If you really care about a family member or a friend that you're coming out to, or just the general public, address that in your script. If you don't care, then don't address that in your script. But I think 
deep conscious thought is going to make the experience a lot easier in a world that has a lot of emotions about coming out. I don't think until that experience of coming out without emotions is accepted by the wider community will a script not be warranted or encouraged. Um, I don't know when that time period is. I hope sooner rather than later so that people with similar experiences to me who really could care less about coming out feel comfortable about coming out. But current today, if I was to come out fresh, I'd script that. I would sit down and write it out and try my my absolute hardest to address any and all feelings that may come up that aren't my own. Yeah, I I also look forward to a world that we don't have to think about how other people are going to react and it's just a part of existing. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully we're on the right track for that, although we have quite a ways to go, both from the lens of being in the LGBTQ2S plus community as well as um, being autistic. Yeah. But um, yeah, I... Again, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us today. Do you have anything else to add before we wrap up here? No, no, I, I think I think I said I said my piece. I, I think I definitely got a lot more comfortable um halfway through. And I anyone who's listening, um, thanks for bearing with me at the beginning. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm glad we got here now. Yeah, fantastic. Again, thanks so much. Um I'm looking forward to publishing this and, and hopefully we can get some uh, some people to uh, respond, maybe share some of their experience as well. We're hoping to uh, put out some information on a more blog type format as well um, and have a little bit more interaction with the audience. But oh, yeah, this, this, has been, this has been incredibly insightful. Again, for, for my experience, I'm uh, kind of clueless. Um, to be completely honest, you know, I've, I've tried to, to learn on my own, um, but every one of us uh, benefits from learning the lived experience of others. Um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for your your stories and your very insightful uh, uh, takes on, on these topics. Of course, thank you. Thank you.